In this episode of the Exploring Information Security Podcast, Why Container Security is Important, Part 2. Welcome to the Exploring Information Security Podcast, where you will learn, explore, and grow your security mindset. I'm your host, Timothy D. Block, and in this episode, we will be continuing our exploration of why container security is important. Joining me today to help answer this question is Wes Widener. Uh, and, and a lot of pretty much the same as, as, as the first one there. Make sure to check him out on Twitter at KIA5263. Four nine nine, um, great guy, great guy to follow. Kind of, kind of sneaky in, in, in uh, that regard. Um, feedback is welcome at timothy.dblock@gmail.com or on Twitter at timothydblock. And of course, sign up for the newsletter. I've I've had several people sign up, which is awesome. Uh, I look forward to that. And I should be uh, coming out with a newsletter. I I'm gonna say within a month. <laughs> Next month uh, will be good. October, October will be a good time to start one. Derby Cano. We'll be done. Um, but yeah, be sure to check that out. Show notes can be found at timothydblock.com forward slash EIS. And this episode will be 155. So you just do another forward slash 155. like to make it nice and easy for everybody. And of course, the newsletter sign up will be at the bottom of the show notes. So with that, let's get back into it and talking to Wes about some of the other things to consider when uh, taking into consideration container security. Some of the other options for securing containers is to disable the 32-bit compatibility mode in the kernel. That basically cuts the attack surface in half because it means um, there's all of the all the same syscalls. You're reducing all the 32-bit versions of that, and most of the vulnerabilities that we've seen or many of the vulnerabilities in the kernel have been in the 32-bit space because, frankly, people just let that lapse. Yeah, why, Another, I, mean, I don't even know why... Because we've we've kind of moved into a 64-bit world, right? Right. Yeah, the, the reason here is it's legacy. So another uh, fun fact there is that most of the VM attacks have been in like random drivers like uh, floppy disk drivers. You know, so th the idea here is just if you don't really need it, cut it out. Right. And that's where um, another – so <laughs> – and this is like list that I have. Um, make containers read only. Don't make it really hard for attackers to live off the land. Right. So um, another one is recycle the containers often. Um, they should be cattle. So uh, we try to do it like once a week or so. Okay. That is, don't let a container run or live longer than a week because it should be able to be killed and restarted somewhere else. And the benefit there is if you have a constantly churning cluster, like you should, then it's sort of security in motion, and also it, it makes the cluster kind of balance itself out. Um, like I said, aggressively drop kernel capabilities as much as you can. There's um, some really fun tools that you can use to kind of monitor the application running in your container and see what it's truly using capabilities-wise, and then just shrink-wrap those capabilities down. And that um, that really hinders uh, an attacker's ability to move laterally within a container system. So um, another one is that originally root in a container mapped to root outside of a container. That's no longer the case, but it's still a security best practice to not use root in a container. Mm -hmm. um, most... 
most of the time you'll see containers start off and they'll create another user and then switch to that user. And then that just, that, that brings in all the, uh, the regular best practices of, you know, AppSec. So uh, another one is try not to mount files or pass from the host into the container. That's just, you're asking for contamination there. If you really have to though, um, make them read only mounts. If you, if you can, <laughs> there are cases like if you're dockerizing a, a database that you really can't do that, but just, just know that if you have, if you have a container writing to a host path, then whatever that container's writing is suspect. All right. Other, um, other ways to improve container security, uh, make the images as thin as possible. Um, Alpine is really good. It's a really good, thin uh, Linux system. Some people swear by taking just a binary, a, a regular binary itself. A lot of Go proponents will talk about this, uh, making a, a fat um, binary. Yeah, fat binaries again. And putting those <laughs> into... That's not going to get out of your head. <laughs> I can't, man. <laughs> but uh, building your, you know, statically linking everything together and just having one giant EXE and putting that in a container by itself with nothing, you know, that's, um, you might've heard the phrase unikernel thrown around. Mm -hmm. So that's where that's come from. Okay. But other than that, most people can't really do really thin images like that. So in lieu of that, one, one tactic that I've used is to, in an Alpine container, um, I'll build the binary and then I'll, I'll do an LDD to figure out what that binary links to and just pull over all the things that it links to. So it's sort of like a custom Linux uh, distribution just for my application. And that, that means that it has, it has everything it needs. Um, it probably has a little bit more than it needs, but it has nothing that it doesn't need. Okay. Um, another one would be to treat like extensive capability requirements as an architectural smell. So like I was talking about earlier, we have the principle of least privilege that we apply to like systems. We can apply that to components of our application architecture as well. So privilege separation within an application. Of course, I'm talking about a, um, a distributed application. So a web server doesn't need to have access to, um, I don't know, like, well, it would need access to read files, but it wouldn't need access to like ping a server or something like that. Right. Okay. Yeah. So there's, and and there's a really helpful guide about what what the um, kernel priv or kernel um, uh, kernel syscalls are and what they what they give you the ability to do. It's kind of weird too because syscalls are kind of overlapping. For for example, you need a special like rootish privilege to do pings. Which you've probably seen that going through the um, uh, security stuff. All right. Um, there's also constant scanning of um, Linux images. So one thing I think it was last year at uh, DevCon, I was I was looking at um, Tenable's um, presentation. They did a scan of Docker the Docker registry. And they found that there was a lot of older images that had baked-in vulnerabilities. So one thing to note for any company that's deploying um, containers, 
is that you're eventually somewhere along the line, some library in your container is going to get compromised and you're going to need to know you're, you're going to need to know when that happens and also a way to go through and swap out all containers that have that, that um, layer in it. So there's a, a bunch of scanning utilities, both um, commercial and non-commercial that you can use. So I've, I've got a link that I kind of put in the show notes about okay. all of these tools. Yeah. Yeah. You've also, I, I was looking at, I'm on your, um, your GitHub page for container security. Awesome. Yeah. Which uh, I which, love awesome lists. <laughs> I'm um, a big fan of those. Yeah. Well, and it's, it, it is an awesome list. There's a lot of different stuff on here. Um, again, those, that will be in the show notes. Um, so f- for the most part, this sounds like basic best, best practices for application security. I don't think I've really heard anything that, you know, isn't new necessarily. It's kind of just the same best standards, just probably for people new to this, would it be looking, actually looking at where, where to actually config or set these up? Yeah. So the best place to start would be the Docker daemon, because most people are going to start with Docker, even though I spent a while talking about the other different applications, but truth be told, until you get like, pretty deep into the container world, you're probably not going to be using Rocket or one of the other container providers. Mm-hmm. So Docker, the Docker daemon has a lot of flags in it that allow you to apply different security profiles. And uh, the, one, the one piece that is kind of unique to containers would be dropping capabilities as early as possible. And there is the ability to apply setconf for app, app armor, but an interesting um, note about that is that recently uh, Linus actually ripped out um, an entire commit thread that was around app armor because they 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 um, there was one commit that they had that introduced a regression and that's just the cardinal sin of the the kernel space mm-hmm. so. I don't know that he ripped it all out, but he at least threatened to. And so there's this huge like blow up on there. But the takeaway that I got from it was that it's not really settled yet what sort of um, either app armor or set conf is really going to be used in the container space or, or in Linux in general. So that's th- there's an ability to do that in Docker, but just know that that's, that may not be the way that the community goes in the future. Gotcha. Okay. So who should be securing this then? Really, this is up to, um, so containers touch everything along the um, software development lifecycle. So the people who are building the containers, and that could be the developers, it could also be your uh, build engineering team. They should think about it. They, they're, they're the ones that need to think about how, how to make the images as small as possible and what capabilities they truly need. And then the ones that are running the containers, the probably the, the the ones, and this could be your developers too, but the ones that are in charge of, of making the Docker daemon run the containers, they need to they need to know about the con, um, container security. And then um, people who are in charge of your orchestration, if you're not have if you're not running them directly on a Docker daemon, and you're having something like Spinnaker or Kubernetes run it, then that definitely needs to have um, security. Those people need to be involved in the security discussion. So 
last year there was the stat, and I think it holds true this year, that most companies, like 80%, were wanting to use containers. But there's a lot of unknowns when mm-hmm. it comes to how to secure these um, cattle that they were just – they were holding off. Now, the cool thing is that in the last year or so, security has become a number one uh, focus <coughs> in the container space. So there's been some really interesting developments. What resources are available for people to you know learn more about container security? Well, <laughs> other than my my small presentations, the best place to uh, to learn about container security is actually Red Hat. Uh, weirdly enough, they they were in the uh, federal space long before, or th- I think that's where they get most of their funding. But their presentations on containers are amazing. They have some kernel um, kernel contributors, and they also have they have to. So they're in like every layer of government security. So they they'll talk about multi-level um, um, access management, and that's not strictly tied to containers. But their videos on containers are the ones that are like. They're they're definitely setting the standard. So they they're the guys who weren't using Docker when containers kind of blew up. They were using um, uh, they were using Rocket, I think. Right. And so they were the ones that were behind, like pushing the standardization and can we come out with something better? They actually have a use case for why they need their containers to be as secure as they are. So as an organization, I would say um, Red Hat. Past that, there's um. Well, I have the awesome list that's put together, and there's a lot of different mm-hmm. thought leaders there. Um, one project that I really want to call out, I kind of put it in the show notes too, is uh, Cilium, C-I-L-I-U-M. And that's a um, – it's a little bit mind-bending because once you get into software-defined networks and uh, on top of containers and, and all of that – it becomes this really weird world. You want to talk about a rabbit hole, but Cilium applies container security at the packet level. So each packet is tagged by what container it comes from. And so the cool thing with Cilium is, um, have you ever worked with Google, uh, the Google Cloud? No, I've not had the pleasure of doing that yet. Have you worked with uh, Amazon? Yeah. yeah. The AWS? Yep. Okay, so AWS kind of maps to what you're pretty much used to. The, the real exception there is that AWS has the security groups. And with security groups, you have like basically things that are in this security group can talk to things that are in this security group along this port, right? So you have this concept of tag-based permissions. So Google Cloud is nothing but tag-based permissions, all over the place, their entire like um, firewalls, they they everything is a tag, everything on a system, everything on a like even down to the network level. So Cilium applies that same concept. Every packet is tagged, and so as a security engineer, all you're saying is things with this tag can can talk to things with this tag, and and things with this tag can't talk to anything else unless they have this tag. And, you know, and then you start matching up tags. And so it actually demystifies a lot of the security from an operational perspective. Now, the, the technology that's involved behind the scenes is really intricate, really interesting. Okay. 
Well, is there and any- also, oh, okay, ahead. one more, one more. I'll give you one more. <laughs> another, another container leader is Netflix. So, yes. um, mm-hmm. yeah, they have a Titus system and all that. So, yeah, the granddaddy would be Google. That's where Borg and all that comes from. And, of course, they, they still have a huge influence. Um, Red Hat, they've been in the federal space, and then Netflix. Netflix has not only – so I wouldn't say that their security is – or their, their approach to container security is that amazing. But their approach to container um, performance is really amazing. And that by itself could be a, a, a really interesting like discussion, a whole ex- exploration. But their, um, one of their leads on there, Brendan Gregg, did a great talk at a B-Sides in San Francisco on applying what Netflix does for performance to container security. Basically, they can tell whether a container starts, quote-unquote, acting up and – uh, you know the implications from there are just really fascinating. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, is there anything else you like to mention that we haven't already discussed? <laughs> There's tons of things. Oh, is there? Oh. Container security, <laughs> but I'm not going to keep you all night. So yeah. one, yeah, the uh, with the Cilium project, one thing that I will point out um, that is the future of container security is something called eBPF, Extended Berkeley Packet Filters. And I'm probably going to put together a talk on this for the next talk season. But this is something that's slowly being put into the, the Linux kernel proper. And and by slowly, I mean they've come out with like a successive number of releases. And what this does is it allows first monitoring things at the kernel level so we can – with this in in place, we can tell what uh, process groups are performing like. And then the next phase of this, or actually it's already here in many cases, is being able to actually affect entire process groups. Whereas containers are a nice logical way to think about, like I'm wrapping my entire application up. eBPF allows us to operationally say, this set of processes is doing this, like they're doing all these things in real time. So I throw that out there as like containers are, are great and all, but all of the technology around it is really fascinating. That that's where my, that's where my passion goes. Okay, cool. Yeah. I think uh, I, I like pointing out that you're not a security person. You are a, a developer that right. Jesus is really good at his job and makes, <laughs> makes, makes security people's lives a lot easier. So, right. That's, right. I, I, um, yeah, my, my job title is software engineer, not, not security engineer. All right, cool. Well, thanks, uh, Wes for joining me to discuss container security. Awesome. Thanks, man.